Welcome to Metro 30, the Metro Monthly's weekly conversation with the community. Hello, and welcome to Metro 30. I'm your host, Mark Paco. Today we have artist Chris Yambar in the studio. Welcome to the show, Chris. Glad to be here. We're going to talk about a number of things. We're going to talk about Shivers, Chris Yambar's monster show, which opens next month at the Soap Gallery in downtown Youngstown. That project sounds pretty ambitious. Tell a little bit about that. Well, first of all, if what you do is not ambitious, you shouldn't do it. You know, I figure top yourself, keep going forward. And if you could do better than you did yesterday, you go right ahead and do it. You know what I mean? That's that's always the goal. But the show is, uh, it started off being t- 240 images of um, uh, historical horror images that go from the uh, silent era, uh, the early 1900s, up until the Rocky Horror Picture Show in the 70s, you know. And then, I don't know what happened, it just went to 260. So, wait till you see this place. You're walking to an environment of vintage horror. Okay, now, I mean, how did you arrive at that number? What, did you have a set number, or did you just keep creating? I'm a monster. I just go, you know. I, 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 I'm the type of artist, they say... Uh, uh, we'd like to show your work. And sometimes they'll say, uh, well, you could bring in 24 pieces. I'm thinking, well, what, wait a minute. What's, what's the square footage of your walls? Because I'm going to give you an environment. And then I fill it up. You know, because I do standard 16 by 20s right now. So we just take and do the math from there and then stack them. You know, everything I do is unorthodox. So you get you get the best bang for your buck. Okay, and when someone comes into the gallery, what can they expect? Uh-huh. Uh, the thrill of a lifetime <laughs> and an opportunity to buy some good artwork. But anyhow, yeah, when you come in, you're going to walk into, uh, like I say, it's going to be like a, a visual library of everything from Edison's Frankenstein in 1910, uh, clear up to, like I said, Dr. Frankenfurter from Rocky Horror Picture Show. In addition to the artwork, you have other things as part of this. Uh, there'll be some film. Oh, yeah. Uh, I always go over the top. First of all, we're having a cosplay reception where uh, the first night it's going to be a trip because we, um, we, we're we encouraging people to come in costumes, okay? And we're, we're going to be photographing the daylights out of you. So I always give good reception. And then later on, uh, we're going to do uh, a couple weeks after that, we're going to be doing uh, a showing of the original Beauty and the Beast, which was a silent film, and very few people alive have ever seen this thing. And we're also going to be showing Edison's Frankenstein, which is only a 13-minute film uh, produced by Thomas Edison's his film crew. And it uh, it's really something to see, you know, because it's really their interpretation of the classic done back then. Uh-huh. Now, we're getting yeah. a little bit ahead of ourselves. Just sure. so the audience knows, when is the show... And when does it open, and, and how long will it be running? October the 4th it opens. That's the evening. Okay, now if you're scared of the dark, okay, you can come on that Saturday. Okay, same stuff, just a little bit more light. Uh-huh. That that made me laugh when you said if you're afraid of the dark. It's, it's almost like a William Castle sort of sure. gimmick. But uh, it's also, you know, some people don't want to travel at night, though, too. Right. And, uh, you know, so that's, that's respectful of that, though, too. Yeah. But I'm wondering... Uh, I was thinking about your career, and we want to talk a little bit about that because okay. I think I'm, if I'm, I'm, I was thinking back, and I probably the earliest memory of you 
was in, I was at the Jam Bar. I was managing editor, and you had approached me about doing a serial comic strip in the newspaper. Oh, that was, I was acquitted. <laughs> okay, I was acquitted for that. Well, the well the thing you did that for a whole year, but the thing that I thought was funny, at least interesting though, is that people thought that it was we made you up because Yam Bar sounded like Jam Bar. Right. And but we did that for a full year, and it was fun to do, and it was fun to give. You know, a local person, the opportunity to do that. And uh, I don't know if that probably wasn't your beginning point, but it was it was early. I yeah, would it was say. real early. Yeah. yeah and, but then you've done so much beyond that, too. Uh, you had the studio uh, almost downtown. It was on Wood Street, the Art Attack Studios. Right. Uh, but you grew into uh, doing a lot of things. And I mean, you uh, tell us a little bit about like you, you did drawings for the simpsons and tell us a little bit about that that time period but also let's start with your formative years and your earliest memories of of making art well i started off as a good swimmer you know what i mean out of out of a cast of thousands i was the one who well never mind that's a biology joke but anyhow yeah and i i knew that i wanted to be involved as an artist in life from a very young age you know, so that's that's how it was. I never wanted to be a painter. I always wanted to be a cartoonist. I always thought that was the, that was the goal for me. Well, I ended up becoming a painter, anyways. After spending uh, about a decade in commercial art, uh, I took a few classes at YSU, and they told me that I needed to be on the other side of the desk. You know, they said you should be teaching. You know, and I said what? So little surprises that life throws at you in 1989. I had a sh- uh, an exhibition called Batman at the Butler. And, you know, in 1989, the, the Batman movie uh, dynasty began, you know, with Michael Keaton, mm-hmm. you know, that type of thing. And, uh, you know, and, and it was so popular. I mean, we'll never experience that. It it's the closest we get to Beatlemania and the return of Christ on the same day. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? It, it was it was that amazing for those who, who could remember that, you know. But that was my first... That was my actually my first one person show was at the Butler and with that theme, you know they were bringing busloads of people in like crazy from everywhere because it was Batman. You know you can't mm-hmm. go wrong with that. You know, mm-hmm. and I was doing big four by four foot square paintings, and I remember sitting out in the front steps and watching all these people leave, and I was listening to them talking. They were all so excited about seeing this Batman exhibition, and I was acting like it wasn't me. I just relaxed and listened. I said, you know what? I'm never going home again. I am never going to stop doing this. I I enjoy this more than I ever thought that I would. So I've been painting like crazy. You know, the first year I did 25 paintings. Second year I did uh, 66 paintings. The third year I did 100 paintings. And it's been uphill ever since. Uh, this year I've done, uh, you know, now that's like 30 years in the future, uh, I did uh, about 300 and. 300 between 360 and 380 paintings this year you know you if you're gonna do if you're gonna get in the pool get in over your head uh-huh you now, know for people yeah. who are not familiar and i was thinking to some of the i may not be aware of everything or, or all the things that you've done but you love pop culture oh yeah you love comic books absolutely there's rock and roll in there oh yeah and uh sometimes they bleed into each other all over the place yeah but yeah. Uh, I was thinking though. I mean, there's a consistency though too. There's there's an attitude in your in your work, and uh, you're not really 
your style isn't really like Andy Warhol, but it's a pop style, I would say. Yeah. How would you describe yourself uh, as an artist? It's like Andy Warhol, but with a pop style. <laughs> no, I'm just, I'm just, kidding. I'm not messing with you. Uh, I have a tendency to color outside the lines. I have a good time. Uh, I like to work with colors that you don't usually put together or see. You know, I mean, look, if my work matches your couch, you better get a new couch. I want, to, I want to create work that you could look at every single day and feel the energy. You know what I mean? Regardless of the subject matter, whether it's pretty girls or flowers or cemetery images or religious art or monsters or superheroes, to uh-huh. me, it's let's go. Uh-huh. Well, every, everybody that has a creative background or interest is influenced by different things. What, sure. What do you? Is it more environmental, or is it? In, or were there people that in, influenced your style? Uh, what, what? What really? What did you absorb that really created what you created? Well, I used to look at the the comics in a newspaper under a magnifying glass, and when when you do that, then you understand about the printing process because you see that it's all done in dots. That's how it used to be done. You know, and you'd see all these little dots, and and if you're real close to them, and then you pull back, and suddenly it, it becomes a flesh tone. Mm-hmm. You know, but one of the biggest things that influenced me with color, and people always think I'm 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 pulling their leg, but I'm telling you the truth, is we used to go to Sea World. You know, that was like my mecca. You know what I mean? That was my pilgrimage. They would go out uh, once they got to the park, and they would. Pet the dolphins and do all the traditional things, you know, and watch Shamu splash him, which Shamu was the, was the bomb. But I would go, there's this one place where they had, it was almost like enclosed and it was dark. And that should tell you something. But they had all these, these fish that were deep sea fish and they had lighting on them and you could see these colors and these patterns of colors next to each other and they would move past me and I'd like get real close to the to the glass and I would watch these fish go by and I was fascinated by the colors that you normally would never put together but worked so well and made this so striking but this was nature's way of doing pop art you know and I'm looking at this these fish and I'm thinking to myself Wow, these colors are great. And ama- amazingly, uh, a lot of these um, colors have never been duplicated in real life. There's a lot of colors that were that are still not you, you just can't make paint out of them. You can't make, you, they're trying to figure out how to make colors out of these, you know. So it's fascinating. There's the challenge for me, you know. But I was also excited about commercial art. I, I loved uh, the whole idea of marketing. You know, what, what draws a person's attention? What colors go together? What type of movement on the package design? And stuff? I became a groupie of that. You know what I mean? It's like, uh, you know, when you look at stuff, I mean, and then you got characters. Characters on products sell products. Mm-hmm. So I was in the characters. Plus, I was in the comic books. You know, we started off with Casper, went to Tarzan, went to Batman. Uh-huh. It was all up or downhill from there. And if if you Hmm? think about it, though, pop art and characters in pop art, they're alive, they're colorful, they're Mm -hmm. engaging, and uh, and they draw your eye, too. Yeah. So there's a lot of vitality to that that I think... uh, And, of course, you know, part of of commercial design is to attract attention. Yeah. Yeah. But if you look at even cereal boxes in in a store... Especially. Yeah. They incorporate color. They incorporate characters. Yep. And uh, 
And they're, yeah. al- and they're always at cart level for the kids so that if they could see this, I want that. Exactly. Yeah. Exactly. They're in the middle air, the middle row. Right. And, but they, they've used, and they know this too, they've used a lot, mm-hmm. of, a lot of pop culture images and very bright colors. Now, with your work, you talked about the Batman, uh, you know, the Batman exhibition. Uh, you've done other things later on. If you had to describe, like, your eras, I guess, uh, do you have eras in your, in your work? I'm old enough to. Okay. Yeah. Uh, to me, it all bleeds in. You know, I'll do things. Uh, I have two careers that uh, that are going at the same time all the time, so I never get bored. When I'm not painting, I'm writing. When I'm not writing, you know, for comics, I'm designing characters for comics. You know, um, my character, Mr. Beat, B-E-A-T, uh, Mr. Beat, he's a beatnik, and that was the very first character that I really went crazy with, and the thing took off like like a shot. Now, I had, ha- I had done independent comics. Uh, I've done a lot of self-publishing prior to Mr. Beat. You know, I did underground newspapers, uh, all kinds of stuff like that, you know, plus the commercial art background. You know, so I took a year off from painting, you know, to just relax and unwind way back in, you know... Um, well, what's it been? Twenty-five years for Mr. Beat. Okay. Yeah, I, you know, yeah. So, anyhow, but it just—it uh, was based on what my life experiences were, you know, because you could only write from your your point of life experience, really, and make it authentic, you know, for somebody to read it and see, oh, that's authentic. That person knows that they they've been there or they are there, you know. Well, the doggone thing took off like crazy, and three years later. After touring the United States, going through thousands of coffee mugs, T-shirts, etc., you talk about an endless summer. You know that that went on for years. Um, I got a phone call from uh, Matt Groening, his people, and here Matt Groening, of course, is the creator of The Simpsons. And here Matt Groening was reading my stuff, and uh, every you never know in life who's watching what you do. Mm-hmm. So it's it's always best that you do everything, you know, with 100% everything you've got. But it's also important to be mindful of what you put out there, too. Yeah. Yeah, because it's representing you. But So how did this – so when Matt saw your work, uh, what did he do? Uh, what, he, contact, he contacted you? Yeah, they, what they wanted to do is they wanted to put on new writers. They wanted to introduce some new titles with Bongo Comics. And that was the the, the official uh, publisher for The Simpsons. So Matt uh, came out of his office, and he had a cup of coffee in his hands. Well, on that coffee mug, there was Mr. Beat. Okay? Every time I ran into anybody, no matter where I was in the United States, and they were had anything to do with The Simpsons, I gave them a coffee mug for themselves and for Matt. Well, they were getting through. And here he was he was reading my comics, uh, picking them up at his comic shop, you know. So I understood the business of producing a comic, you know, and also having it distributed and, and dealing with all the printers and all that stuff. So, I mean, if you're going to, like I say, if you're going to jump in, you better know what you're doing, mm-hmm. you know. Well, they, he called me and, and his, his uh, right-hand person said, uh, Matt wants to look for some new, new blood. And he says, well, who do you have in mind? And he goes... Oh, this guy, uh, this Mr. Beat guy. And he says, oh, Yambar. And everybody was looking at him like like we know him. And he goes, 
wait a minute, you guys all know him? He goes, yeah, he's been in these offices too. And he says, why the hell didn't you hire him? He says, call him and offer him a job, you know, writing for the new Bart Simpson comic. Uh-huh. So they called, and I was helping them. I was a dutiful husband. I was helping my wife uh, dry the dishes, and we get this phone call. Was I never saw this one coming? And he offered me. They he had them offer me a job writing for them. Now, what year was this? Oh, this was ninety ninety nine. Now, were you working remotely? Were you in? Did you have to move to do the assignment, or were you were you somehow doing this from our area here? I did everything from our area, you okay. know. I'm too tough to leave. Uh-huh. That's that's my that's my statement with Youngstown. Yeah, yeah, yeah. You girls can leave. I'm too tough to leave. You know what I mean? I am Youngstown. You know. Now, what did the assignment require of you when you went to when you did the Simpsons project? Uh, you always make pitches. You make little paragraphs for pitch ideas. Okay, and then they pick what they like, and you build a script from there. You have like a page limitation. You know, they'll say, oh, we can we can give you 12 pages for that, or we can give you eight pages, or we're looking for one-pagers. Give us a bunch of gags. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? And so they would look at these things, and then I would send in the finished scripts, and we'd make changes, and then they would send me the, the most fantastic bit of email that said, checks in the mail. <laughs> yeah. Now, when when you say, though, you when you were talking about Mr. Beat, yes. you were saying that you're drawing from your life experience, but when you're creating under the umbrella of somebody else like you know the Simpsons uh, franchise is it is that still true that you're drawing on life experiences or do you have to think about what the character would do you're 100% right you can draw on your life experiences to a certain point but when you're dealing with a, an established character there's a reason why that character is successful there's call and responses there's um uh they they look at life from their unique perspective not yours Okay, so you don't want to put too much of your thumbprint, your personality into the character unless that's allowable. You know, like if I were to work on uh, Underdog, Underdog was great for certain things. You know what I mean? There were catchphrases and, and like SpongeBob, same exact thing. Popeye, same exact thing. You know, you can, you'll have a, a, a delightfully twisted background based on your life experiences but how does that translate to the character and how do you keep the character within you know genre you know what i mean you got to mm-hmm. keep it there's a canon to all that well of course and yeah. and, and the fans and the readers expect mm-hmm. and if you go beyond that then they know uh, they know and and, yeah. and they sometimes fans know more about yes they do. something than you actually know you know they used to always say Every time I would lecture, they would they would ask. I said, "Do you know where Springfield is?" And I would look at them and I'd say, "Yes." Next question, you know, because that's all they get. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? And uh, but you you would always get some cool image uh, or some information that you could pass on to them too. I said, "Look, I can tell you this though: the real name for the comic book guy in The Simpsons was Lewis Lane." You know, which is and and it was it was something that they wanted to do, but they never did it. But that's. That was what his real name was supposed to be. They just know him as comic book guy in the show. But you can't you can't take a character and like comic book guy and make it so you that you can't hear him speak. Mm-hmm. You know, the greatest compliment I can ever get from a Simpsons fans and they're rabid. I love them like mad. You know, I worked with the Simpsons for sixteen years, and every every time somebody came up, they and they said this, they would say. 
I can hear the voice of the characters when you write, you know. And well, that, I, that's I, a compliment of the highest order. It was. And they said, you should be writing for the show. I said, let's go. I'll just get the SAG card and let's go, you know. But uh, that's that was the, the goal, uh-huh. you know. Now, going back to going to your pop art, though, too, mm-hmm. uh, is that same that same sort of, I guess, boundary or following the canon, is that necessary for creating pop art that's an image based on a, a pop cultural character, or, or is there more freedom with that? Well, there's a lot more freedom with painting. You know, you could uh, you could jack stuff up. As long as it's recognizable, you could have a lot of fun with it. You know, you can stay 100%, you know, in the color schemes and in the, you know, everything. Or you could change it all up, which I think is more refreshing, mm-hmm. you know. And it's, it's a lot more fun. Mm-hmm. Now, where has your art... Uh, ended up as far as collections or with maybe some some prominent people that people may know. Oh, good lord! I'm just in, a few. I'm, I'm in at least at least a hundred plus, probably about 110 celebrity collections right now. Uh, everybody from, of course, the band Kiss, you know, which I was a disciple of when I was younger, you know, and I, I still like them now. <laughs> okay, and uh, did people like David Letterman and Bill Clinton and. Uh, you name it, uh, the monkeys. Mm-hmm. You know, it was like if the, if you were coming to Youngstown, you were going to run into me. Okay, that's how it worked. You know, Richard Simmons. You know, I got stories about that, but I don't know if you have time for that. But oh my God, he's he really is what you see. Okay, you know, but yeah. So you're talking a lot of celebrity collections, a lot of corporate collections, where I'm the I'm the only um, artist from America. That uh, has a painting in the Hummel Museum in Germany. You know, go figure that one out. You know, uh, let's see, where else? Ronald well, Reagan Library, all that stuff. Yeah, w- with the collections, though, are they? Are is it a mix of things that are publicly visible, or in private collections where it's just in their house or their apartment, or is it a mix of all? All, of all the above. I don't discriminate. Anybody who wants a painting gets what gets a painting. You know, I'm that I'm that selective. <laughs> and have there been retrospectives of your work? Yes, we had a, a couple of them. Uh, believe it or not, probably. Oh yeah, it, it called the Chris Yambar Experience. And when I do when I do a reception and I do a show like that, I basically tell them they're not allowed to buy wine and cheese. Just hand me the money you normally would spend and just get out of the way because you're in for a fun time. You know, so I pick everything from the music to the candy to the everything. I go berserk. I'm off the rails because I want people to walk into a situation that they're not going to they're, they're not they're They've never been to and they're never going to see it again until they go to the next time, uh-huh. you know, that well, I have to do that. So you've laid this all out, what people mm-hmm. can expect. So and we talked a little bit about the show coming up in October. Right. Uh, it, it sounds like it's an immersive show oh yeah uh is it appropriate for all ages sure uh sure. Wh- what's what and and i guess comparing other shows like what what what's the mix of people what's it like uh from birth to death <laughs> yeah there's always something there for everybody and there's the uh because of the historical nature of, of what the show is also it's not just visually appealing it's historically challenging i mean there's a lot of information there it's educational 
you know. So you're going to be seeing, like, for example, at the Edison's Frankenstein image does not look like the, Fred- the, the uh, Frankenstein from the Universal era, which followed Edison's Frankenstein by 26 years-ish. Okay, so there's I, I there's a little um, little write up by each gr- each cluster mm-hmm. of paintings that says something about the films and about the characters and you know why you're seeing something for the first time the, the way you're seeing it. Uh-huh. Is it grouped according to representations of maybe a Frankenstein to different eras, or is it? I mean, is it? You have two hundred. Close to 250. 260 paintings. 260 paintings. Yeah. So it's going to cover a lot of ground. Oh, yeah. Uh, Hopefully a lot of walls. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> what, are yeah. The, what are some of the, the key peaks, I guess you would say, of, of what, as far as groupings go or, or thematic representations? Well, if you look at, oh, there's some, there's some television images like Barnabas Collins from Dark Shadows and Lily Munster, of course. Everyone loves Lily, you know. You know, so I deal with a little bit of television, a lot of, a lot of movies, and uh, I try to uh, go through. What we're covering probably seventy years worth or eighty years worth of, you know, horror images during the bloodless uh-huh. era. You know, I don't do slasher stuff. Uh-huh. I don't care for it. I think it's cheap. Uh-huh. You know what I mean? It's like, oh yeah, blah blah. You know, no, but, but you mentioned yeah. you mentioned Lily Munster though. Yeah. So. There are horror images that are representing dr- dramatic presentations, but then there are also some com- some comedic yeah, horror figures. Who are and on the comedy side? Who else do you have in that uh, in that grouping? Well, definitely Doctor Frankenfurter from a Rocky Horror Picture Show. Okay, it's an extreme close up of his face because Tim Curry, who played Doctor Frankenfurter in Rocky Horror made some of the most hilarious faces. I mean, he is that character. He was that character. And he's never been able to shake it either, mm-hmm. you know. And he's one of the most talented character actors we've ever had, you know. So uh, there's there's that. There's Of course, there's the, the Lily Munster. And there's a couple of surprises. I'm not going to wreck it for okay. you. Yeah, we don't want to. Yeah. yeah, we want people to go, right? Yeah, absolutely. You, you, and you will be there. <laughs> okay. Now, uh, it opens on October 4th. October 4th. And we have the first reception is from 6 to 10. Okay. Yeah. And no one there gets out alive. <laughs> okay. okay. Now, if you're scared of the dark, you come that Saturday. And I think it's noon till... Till five. Okay. And where is the soap gallery? For soap people? gallery is down on uh, downtown Youngstown. Beautiful downtown Youngstown, on Champion Street. Because I wouldn't show my work anywhere else. Mm-hmm. And it's right across the street from the Ohio One Building. Which all you have to do is look up in the sky, and you'll see. And Ohio there it is, Ohio yeah. One. Yeah. It's huge. Yeah. yeah. It's the, the YMCA is on the other side of Champion, so it's it's in between Front Street and Boardman Street. Right. Yeah. And uh, what, what you said there was a first reception. So how many receptions? There are two receptions that night. Yeah, can, no, there's 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 one. Oh, one. There's one. It's the cosplay reception. That's crazy. And we have uh, the sponsorship for all the for the ref- the refreshments through Monster Energy drinks. That's a first for them. You know, to to make make the the drinks and everything available to an artist. That's very clever. It's well, yeah. Who it, came it, up with that? That would be me. That would be you. Okay. You know, I was born with two horns on my head, so I have to, and a rasp in my crib, so I have to, you know, I have to, uh, you know, <laughs> file them down. But you know, it, it wrote itself. 
you know, it's just perfect for that. We all, we even thought about changing the name from Shivers to Monster Energy, but I said, no, 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 let's go with Shivers. Yeah, sh- Shivers yeah. is fine. Shivers, Shivers is, is fine. fine. Yeah. yeah. And um, the movies that you'll be showing, will, mm-hmm. they be, will they be shown that night, or you have designated nights for other things? We have designated nights for other things. There's We have handouts uh, for everybody who comes and... Uh, Lots of posters, lots of flyers, and we got stickers. We got we got more stuff. Un- unbelievable! The first 250 people in the door get an incredible swag package. You know, we've got uh, a lot of local um, um, uh, support from Wedgwood Pizza. Uh, they're they've given us things. We've got um, Liberty Comics, uh, the comic book store. Ironically. Located in Austin Town, we've got free stuff there. Okay, well, yep. it, so- it sounds very interesting. So I think that uh, you know, it, it, it sounds like it's perfect for this time of year. Metro Thirty is produced in collaboration with the Youngstown Radio Reading Service. Visit MetroMonthly.net for news, features, and the Valley's most complete calendar of events. And be sure to subscribe to the Metro Thirty podcast. Mm-hmm.